And I welcome everyone to our weekly Echo Punk Salon, where we really try to have the best conversation possible around topics that are either puzzling, mysterious, or just plain fun to dive into. And I kind of feel that today's topic is in the latter category. Uh, I think last week... Sharita, can you remind me what we talked about? David, can you remind me what we talked about last week? Can anyone remember? Privatization. privatization. Yes. We talked about privatization as a, a potential solution to some of the problems, uh, Trojan horse, to some of the problems that plague us. And it feels like it's a natural segue to trust. Right? Whether we trust public institutions, whether we trust private institutions, whether we trust our fellow human beings, or whether we trust our pets. Now, I generally feel that the issue of trust is something that uh, is reflected in our uh, crisis in society, whether political crisis, whether climate crisis, whether economic crisis. Um, but I always feel that when you trust someone, you can guarantee that they will show up exactly on time. And Yen has done that perfectly. So Yen, I'm now throwing to you for our weekly provocation on this topic of trust. You don't know what I've said up to this, so I could have set you up quite spectacularly. But I think you trust me enough to know that this is the perfect time and place for you to enter the conversation. Absolutely, Jesse. Thank you very much. Uh, I trust you blindly. Usually I go really, really deep here with the provocations. This week is an exception. I stay very, very shallow on the surface. The first is a four line quote from uh, a pop song from the band Electronic and the chorus in uh, the top hit Twisted Tenderness goes, I wrote this down, never let that feeling die. All you have to do is tell a little lie. Don't you know that's true? And the second provocation is a book title from Ryan Holiday in his first book about um, the state of the current marketing and public relations scene. Uh, he wrote a lot and the title is Trust Me, I'm Lying. And with that, I hand over to Sherida. Okay, um, that's interesting. Trust me, I'm lying. Okay. Um, Trust is, um, like Jesse was saying, everybody has an idea of what trust is, um, what trust does for them in various situations, whether it's commerce, whether it's love, whether it's, you know, institutional trust in doctors or professors, etc. But most of the time we don't really think about what what is involved in making our decision to trust whether it's an institution or a human being etc um and perhaps um the most research has been done in the antecedents of trust or what enables us to trust somebody else so Instead of, you know, perhaps going on and on and on about, you know, what I think about trust and I and I have to, um, I guess, put in a little bit of background. I did my master's degree and my Ph.D. degree um, where my theoretical uh, framework was trust. So I probably could go on for hours about what trust is. Um, but I want to ask the people here, what do you think trust is? What, what, what are the conditions that are needed before you, when you think about, oh, should I trust this or not? What are the conditions? Anybody? Jeanette, do you want to take a stab at that? <clears throat> Linear time. I mean, it's just antecedents, consequences. It seems to me it's the whole before and after thing is required for trust. Mm -hmm. So, so you're 
You're kind of looking at, <clears throat> is there a foreshadow of the past or a foreshadow of the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'm thinking of now is predictability. Mm. That, uh, um, if, so for instance, if I'm going to talk about trust, not in interpersonal relationships, but just like, I trust that the sun is going to rise tomorrow because I don't actually know that. There's no way for me to prove that that is true, uh, but I am trusting that that is happening based on, you know, an expectation generated by past experience. Well, yes. yeah, because you have seen that before, almost like uh, generative AI, right? You go, what is going to be the most likely event tomorrow morning? Sun goes up, right? So you've seen that before. You've seen that belief validated. That's what's happening in the morning. So... I trust that tomorrow the sun is going to go up again. Jens, go ahead. And then, Oksana, I'd love for you to jump in and, and, and bring that point about interaction. Well, from um, my point of view, uh, sorry, was it my turn now? Oh, sorry. Yes, Jens and then Oksana. Okay. So from my point of view, I think trust hasn't got much to do with rational thing. It's not a rational thing. For me, it's something like an unconscious emotional thing. So it's a gut feeling. So you believe something is good or bad or whatever you don't know exactly you don't know exactly but but you think it will be like this so it, from in my opinion it got nothing to do with the rational thing it's more the the unconsciousness because no one can really explain so jesse i trust you so why do i trust you i don't know <laughs> you're good looking you're smart you can talk well but are these the right things to judge whether I trust you or not? No, it's not. It's something from deep inside. It's unconscious. I cannot explain why I trust you, but I trust you. You're a great fellow. Although Jan's point, Jan's point about familiarity, I think speaks to the intuitive or unconscious point, Jens, that you're bringing up. But Oksana, I thought you had a really interesting insight in the chat that I'd love for you to sort of elaborate on so that others could pick up... Uh, sort of that feature of how trust is built or conversely how trust is lost um yeah thanks uh yeah i believe it's just one of the aspects how we can approach the like the discussion about this i'm not sure this is the time to discuss it about the interaction but i was just thinking that um it doesn't exist in vacuum right so it has to be something like uh an internal conversation with yourself like just questioning if i can trust myself or communicating with another person when you kind of evaluate if that can be trusted or content when you like interact with the the article or facebook post or something um yeah that was just a little thing i wanted to share well and, and i think you know the interaction and the the idea that trust is fluid, right? That it's not something that is sort of set in stone, but the more we engage with someone, the more we engage with a website, the more we engage with an environment, the more we might gain or lose that trust depending on that interaction, depending on sort of the signs and signals that we get. You know, Greg, you sort of also mentioned that trust is a feeling of being safe which I think goes to Jens's point that it's unconscious, right? It's something that's perhaps irrational in terms of a broader sense of instincts that we go off. Do you want to elaborate on that or sort of explain what you mean? Yeah, sure. Um, I Yeah, I think it's, it's really a feeling of, of safety, right? You trust something's going to work. I think that's, that's, I think the word trust means safety, right? And so um, like dealing with, I'm just, it's it's funny because um, I'm in a relationship or kind of in a relationship with somebody that's uh, dealing with like really deep uh, trauma, PTSD and stuff. And trust is a very, very, very difficult thing in this relationship, despite of actions, because it's a, it is a feeling of safety, right? Like, um, and if, if you feel harmed, right, or have been harmed, it's, you know, once been twice shy kind of thing. And I think this is why we're post trust in a world where, um, you know, there's been so much damage done to our, our, the, who we are as human beings, socially, 
um and through interactions on the internet and things like that like you, you, nothing is safe right it feels like nothing is safe and and all the things that come to light and all the ridiculousness of, that you see on the internet just makes you think holy shit everybody out there is batshit crazy i can't trust anybody um right and so how do i protect myself so i i think you know how do i stay safe and i think that's why things are more polarized in the world as well because we get into these silos because we feel safe in, in ways that people may think are uh, keep us safe so um well and to yeah, your point it it kind of makes distrust as the default exactly when exactly. when it should be the other way around right we would be better off as human beings if we could have a safety as the default mm-hmm. But to your point, it's distrust as the default. And and this is where uh, Jens and Jan as, exper- as experience and Sharita as experienced participants of our salon uh, know that Zoom has a raise hand function. So if anyone else would like to get into the queue now that it's raising. But Greg, did you have a, one last thought before I was going to throw to Jens? Um, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I think it's actually because it's become the default right? The mistrust has become the default. I think that's a good thing um, in a way because we're actually seeing the problems and maybe what we need is to build trust again. Um, so like to to kind of understand that and maybe it's going to bring on, it's bringing on critical thought because we also don't feel good in a, in a state of mistrust. That's stress, right? That's a, that's a fear we're carrying around that we're not safe, you know, and, and it's making us, I think, more hyper- vigilant or whatever the fuck right but just like it's it's making us uh, do the process to build trust up again because maybe like maybe it's a natural evolutionary thing for us to do as a society to start building trust again and safety and, and i think to your point to assume that trust is not something that is just there and taken for granted but that is something you have to earn whether you're you an institution. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and I think that's an, another interesting thread which we can explore. So, yes, please. Yes, um, I would like to come back to your uh, notion, Jesse. You said trust is a function of time. Uh, yes, if we think about it in a very rational way, yes, it's, it's true. But I think in some cases, it might be the case that we... Um, we can trust in a in a in a second. So j- just if there are some guys coming in, and you have to decide: do I trust him or don't? Or do I don't I trust him? So in a second, you will say, "I trust this guy, and this guy I don't trust." So it is it is a very what I said. It's a very unconscious emotional thing which we cannot rationalize, or we try to rationalize, but we are not able to. So of of course, if we talk about deep trust, like like looking for a real partner and stuff like this, yes, it takes time. So weeks and so, but there are cases in which um, trust is not a function of time. I don't believe but, this. And and to to counter argue briefly, because we'll continue this argument amidst other people having their opportunities. Oh. I think often love, to your point, is instant. That you can fall in love instantly. But often the person you fall in love with resembles one of your parents. So yes, you fall in love with them instantly, but at the same time, they're triggering a timelessness, a a longer part of your... But again, I I think we can dance around this topic as we continue the conversation. So Jan, please bail me out this time and uh, open up another thread that we have here. Yeah, I I feel I need to bail you out now that you just spoke that your uh, life partner is like your parents. I I don't know how you feel about that, Jeanette. But um, no, I wanted to say briefly, I found uh, Greg's notion in the chat with the feeling really, really um, intriguing. And and Jens talks about, you know, he feels it in his gut, etc. Uh, Jens just, no, no, Jesse, you spoke about, did you sp- speak about love and instincts? Both so, Jens and I did. Yeah, but, but none of this is instinct. All of this is chemistry, right? So I'd be interested, Sherida, what is the biological chemistry of trust? I mean, for example, with love life, I have heard, I'm not an expert here, I have heard pheromones and all that jazz, right? So what happens when we trust something? I had conversations with Jesse 
about situations and I said Jesse this really felt weird I needed to get out of this situation and then Jesse says yeah Jan you probably needed to get out of this situation if your body physical chemistry you know started off in a process that you know sets your fight or flight off then that is serious so Sherita what's the chemistry here um I wish I could tell you the exact biochemistry of it as a matter of fact, that's an area that's being studied right now. But let me let me put it another way. Um, the conditions that are required for trust to happen or for us to get in a situation where we try to make a some kind of decision about trust, we have to be in a position where we're vulnerable. So if you don't feel vulnerable in a situation, then Trust is interesting, but it's not really going to help you to make any decision. It's it's not going to motivate you one way or the other. The other thing, um, and I'll go back to uh, the idea of interaction that Oksana was talking about. Another condition for trust is interdependence. Okay. Now, I also want to go back to... Um, say that we often feel that that trust is um, an emotion. It's, you know, you know when you're going to trust somebody or not. It's an intuition. When actually, the way I would describe it is most human beings are cognitive misers. So what that means is if we can make a decision, if we can um, act in an environment with as little cognitive energy as possible, then that's what we like. So we look for cues to decide about trust. One cue would be reputation. One cue would be a friend of a friend. I will extend that trust to a friend of a friend because I trust the friend. Another way would be uh, homophily, which is basically birds of a feather stick together. So if you are like me, or if I think you are like me, then I'll trust you. And these are decisions we make in split seconds sometimes but those are the kinds of things we fall back on we're cognitive misers so although you could reframe that as we're very efficient when it comes to expending <laughs> I, our I, cognitive I, energy i i really like the the concept of a cognitive miser i really do <laughs> i find it i don't know <laughs> It's it's so much it trips off the tongue so much better. <laughs> right? Andrea, please jump into the the conversation. There are many threads open. Uh, uh, I so almost want to start asking the question, who do you trust? But go ahead, did, John. Did Andrea get a proper introduction? Andrea, uh, I am really happy that you made today's call. Andrea is a former colleague of mine, uh, and that is an understatement. Really, really happy, Andrea. Thank you for making today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I, kind of on a tangent, I, I wonder, do we see trust as really black and white or is it more of a continuum? Because like, if it's a low stake thing, like, oh, I'm going to meet you at three o'clock. Okay, I trust that you're going to show up, but I don't know necessarily you're going to be exactly at three o'clock or whatever. And that's a low stake. So I, I don't really care. But do I trust you enough that, you know, you're going to help me if I'm in a financially bad situation or I have some emotional problems, you know, then the stakes are higher. So I'm just wondering... Do you see the trust as being just a continuum or different levels of trust? I, I think I think that's brilliant because it speaks to how we have different categories in different contexts. I mean, you know, for example, Greg Stroh, who I've known for decades, I trust you, Greg, like implicitly in so many ways. But to mm -hmm. Andrea's point, would I trust that you would show up at 3 p.m.? To pick me up at three, like, no, because we know no. you'll never do that, right? You'll you trust I'm going to be late. That's yeah, <laughs> we know that you're going to be late. So it's it, it does suggest that it's very context dependent, even within a single relationship, let alone to the different settings in which we think of trust. Scott, uh, uh, please uh, jump into the conversation. Uh, I was just 
thinking about trust in terms of what is human and what is not because as i mentioned early on trusting that the sun will rise and i think I, I for me i would that trust is not a word i would apply there because i think in in trust you can only apply trust to a, a, something that can fail something that can break something that has a chance of not happening and also has to be very human if it's if it's the sun rising or whatever like that that's belief Right. Maybe there's more of a belief system behind that because it's something that's beyond human experience. It's something that happens whether we were here or not. But trust is a very human thing. So I don't think it can be applied to something that is not human because it's it is essentially a compact or an agreement that you set up with somebody else. And so that both parties have to be players in it. Right. And if it's not if there aren't two people or several people involved, then can you really call it trust? Because there isn't that kind of agreement between people. Now, uh, Jan is next uh, in the queue, but Jeanette, I want you to come after and respond to Scott about trust uh, between humans and animals and trust between animals, because I think that augments part of Scott's argument in a way that does sort of acknowledge the difference between trust and belief, but maybe it's not just a human system uh, uh, that we're describing. Go ahead, Jan. And I'm going to hand straight back to Sharida again, because I thought that Scott's point uh, of introducing belief into the conversation was a really, really brilliant one, uh, because I was wondering, you know, religion. So um, do I believe in God or do I trust that there is a God? No one has ever seen God, right? So no one can say for sure that, uh, right, there is one uh, and, and what he looks like. But there are very strong convictions about uh, religion. So, is that a belief, or is is that trust, or are the nuances between those two terms negligible? Sharida, somehow I feel you are uh, the, <laughs> the expert. Yeah. Um, I think I think there's probably some nuance, but I would say that belief is the thing is one of the things that will help you to trust something mm -hmm. um it's it's sort of people make differentiations between let's say trust and credibility credibility mm -hmm. is a characteristic of let's say somebody that would reinforce your feelings of trust towards them so i think they're they're kind of attached to each other but belief is what will help you to make the decision to trust mm. um, which, which kind of goes go trust. ahead Trina. no okay. i was <laughs> i was going to briefly sort of reference greg's point about trust versus distrust and whether you believe people are good or whether you believe people are bad and I think that belief very much would then frame how you would think of trust. Sorry, you wanted to say something, Sharita. Um, I want to, in responding to you, that that belief, as you put it, is is a personality trait, which happens to be one of the antecedents of how easy it is for you to trust somebody, mm -hmm. right? Where it's a personality trait, we're born with it. Now. So you know, Jeanette, I had to bring you in after Scott tried to be human centric or anthropocentric. And, you know, obviously there are a lot of people who trust their pets, right? Who choose to trust animals perhaps more than they trust humans. And I think, you know, you're in a position to also observe how animals trust each other or distrust each other uh, uh, based on interactions, based on context. So I'm, I'm curious here for whether you think trust is inherently human uh, or a construction of human systems or whether trust exists uh, 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 in other species or in interspecies relationships. I often laugh when I sort of look at you expecting some of the animals to behave in certain ways and then the goats are just goats and you get so angry because you're like, I trusted you idiots. So I'm kind of putting you to the test here. Like, you know, do you trust the animals? Do you think they trust you? Do you think they trust each other? Or is trust inherently a, a human construct? Well, I don't think it's inherently human, but I, you know, just as uh, I believe that animal cognition differs somewhat 
from species to species, um, and that, you know, I would include a difference from human cognition. I think animal forms of trust are also going to be different. Um, but I do want to just back up a second and point out there's kind of an intersection of belief, trust, and faith, right, which is in itself a form of trust um, that I think you could you could drag over into this discussion of non-human intelligence in the form of animals um, because because we don't have uh, clear verbal communication, right? It's uh, it's much harder to know what is going on with an animal cognitively. Uh, it's much more an observational thing that uh, the kinds of trust I was talking about based on things like predictability upon patterns of previous behavior comes forward a lot more. And maybe that's why my mind and goes there first when I think about trust. That doesn't mean I'm talking about it as a rational process. It, it's really more a pattern detection. Um, and I think this is what the animals engage in as well, right? They, uh, they're probably even better observers than we are and, um, and are making a lot of their judgment calls about whether to trust or not based on that form of observation. Well, so, and... And, and that's where I kind of come back to familiarity and consistency, that I do feel that the animals are more likely to trust us when we are consistent and reliable, like feeding them at the same time and, you know, respond giving them a treat every time they come when we call them. And, you know, it, it does speak to this idea that it's a combination of factors in addition to our own kind of cognitive biases, as Sharita was kind of identifying, that make up these interactions over and over. Because the other thing we haven't talked about yet that all sort of throw onto the table is, of course, the impact of the pandemic. Because I know for myself that my trust levels plummeted as a result of the pandemic. And this was primarily kind of trust of institutions because I felt let down by institutions, but then it also became distrust of other people, right? Of like, you know, not trusting that other people were taking the health threat as seriously or not trusting that other people were going to factor that in mind. And so, you know, David, I, I want to bring you in only because you've been uh, uh, quite quiet and uh, uh, reflective, I think, of the discussion so far. We haven't really talked about institutional trust. Like we've talked a lot about interpersonal trust and we've talked a lot about the conditions of trust. I'm curious, David, where, where you sort of feel, given all the threads that we've opened, is there a role for institutional trust or are we reaching a tipping point where institutional trust just doesn't exist anymore? Right. And, and when we talk post-trust, what we're, we're not talking about interpersonal trust, because obviously that still exists. But we're just talking about institutions as a whole. I'm, I'm curious if you want to wade in on that. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I do. But let me say that, um, so it seems as if, and, uh, you know, trust is a, an, um, an incompletely specified concept. Um, usually, incompletely specified concepts sink into a state of innocuous desuetude. You're, you're going to uh, have to... Uh, 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 but, uh, that went over my head, worst case Ontario. But, uh, but trust uh, has been sticky, hasn't it? And it, it has stayed around um, uh, in thinking about this uh, um, topic. I was looking at the etymology of trust and the concept of trust emerged as a, as a linguistic convention emerged you know very early in the development of uh, of uh, of language and so it's a sticky concept despite being in incompletely specified and it doesn't have that characteristically characteristic of incompletely specified constructs i think i can offer something that they, that yeah. they, sorry john that they sink into a into a state of they just decline and don't become important. Trust is sticky. But I would also like to say, and maybe this addresses your question to me, Jesse, that we've been talking about trust as a 
as a benevolent thing, haven't we? It's a, a good thing to have. Um, so benevolence, we talked about it, so trust is being determined by some sense of integrity of other people and uh, or maybe even competence of other people. Um, but uh, um, Jeanette mentioned predictability. And so here I'm thinking about um, trust that the world is more often an evil place than a positive place. So reversing the value of trust. So then trust, so I, you know, looking at what's happening in the world these days, in the last few days, holy smokes, um, you know, we're going to hell on a roller skate, but the stock market is doing well. And apparently if uh, you uh, trust the stock market, you can predict that uh, it will do well when a catastrophe occurs, unless yes. catastrophe is occurring to you. Yeah. So then that kind of trust is more like cynicism, which is I the course of trust. Yeah. That, that's that's the old cynicism. I think I think in terms of institutions here, I um, you know can can shed some lights uh, here into the conversation and uh, enlighten us a little bit because um, the marketing industry is very, very interested in trust and is studying this very, very intensely because um, of all the things that we've been talking about, familiarity, right, which a marketeer can uh, impact, correlates positively with trust, which also, you know, is a result of a brand's behavior. And that then leads to purchase intent or purchase goodwill. Therefore, it is super important for uh, brands uh, to know to what extent they are <clears throat> being uh, known, liked, but also trusted. And McKen World Group conducted a global uh, importance of brand study, I think, eight years ago and found out that eight years ago, uh, there was a point in time when the population around the world trusted the economy and the players in the, in the economy, being brands such as Red Bull, to be more effective when it comes to implementing societal change than governments or societal institutions. So the message of that study was that uh, people and the population have given up on government and non-governmental institutions, but believe that actually change, right, in order to affect change, we need people like Elon Musk to basically bring us electrification because nobody else gets it done. Right. It needs to be it needs to come from the economy. See, I knew I knew you this, were going to go there. And I was going to say, I think the debacle at Twitter has completely swung that in the opposite direction. Maybe Sorry to interrupt. Wrong, go ahead. Maybe I picked the wrong uh, example here. But similarly to this, Richard Edelman and Edelman Communications have made their entire business proposition about trust. They do the annual trust barometer and on an annual uh, level uh, establish that people trust their governments and their institutions less and less and less and less. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the uh, role of the private economy and of brands needs to be uh, bigger and bigger and bigger and more pronounced in order to fill the void that is being left by the incompetence of the institutions now scott I, I think, I even think, though I think that would be an awful world if corporations <laughs> and brands stepped up to fill that gap i'm, I'm Honestly, just reciting I, research here I'm, I'm not that's not a value judgment put me on a rocket ship and send me somewhere else if that's supposed to happen man like honestly <laughs> but i think i think to your point earlier jesse around institutional I, I i think if we don't have trust in institutions then we don't have society. We don't have a, an agreement to work together because we've created them under some sort of presumption of best intent for everybody involved when we create them. And if we stop having a belief in them, then the only next step is to tear them down and to break it down. And I, you know, I keep going back when you were talking about that and thinking about the self-correcting systems that have been built into government and such. But then there's people who, I mean, one who comes to mind is Steve Bannon. He's always talked about tearing down destroying the establishment, destroying the institutions that, that, that the, the economy or that the American sort of structure is built upon. And that's the only way forward because he has zero trust. And, you know, so 
But if, if you don't have that trust or at least a modicum of trust in, in, in the institution, the only other step is to tear them down and to, and to get rid of them because there's no middle ground in some way. You can't be satisfied with something you partially trust. At least it doesn't seem to be something that people can be satisfied with. So you, that raises, I think, a really other interesting concept, which, you know, when I look at Steve Bannon, there's the ideological side, but then there's the do you have a stake in the existing system? And that's where Bannon as an outsider is very much of the burn it all down camp and rebuild it again. And is there, and I'm sort of throwing this out as a general question, and Sharita, I recognize your hand, so I don't know if you're going to address this or address stuff that's come up previous, but is there a need to have a stake, right? Like if, you know, is there a correlation between trust and incentive and self-interest? Because, of course, when Jan was bringing up that example and, you know, similarly, the Edelman example, in both cases, I was like, well, yeah, they're selling services that help you with that trust. They're selling services that reinforce the value of your brand. And and my first question, and this is I've always wanted to ask this of the Edelman folks, and I would love to ask this of any kind of uh, ad agency that's doing this sort of thing. Of, well, what is your definition of trust? Right. To bring us back full circle that everyone thinks they know what it is, but I think it's ideological. I think our definition of trust varies depending on our worldview, depending on our agenda, depending on our stake in the system and whether we want to see it all burn or whether, in fact, you know, reform is a better solution because we have a stake in its ongoing survival. I digress, Sharita. I, I'm sure you've got much to add to this sprawling conversation. Okay, so what, in a way, we're talking about a couple of things. One of them is, you know, like what's the definition of trust? What does it mean? What are the conditions where trust is salient, is important? And again, I'll go back that. Trust is where you put yourself in a position of vulnerability and you expect that the other person, institution, um, role, etc., won't hurt you. Okay. Again, we go a bit into safety. And also, vulnerability gets even more important if you're dependent or interdependent on that. So, I want to throw in, though, I want to talk about what happens if you don't trust. What happens perhaps in a post-trust society? Perhaps it's not so much that society breaks down, but what happens may be that our regulations for any kind of behavior go up surveillance goes up, monitoring goes up, tracking goes up, because you want to get safe, so you're trying to control the behavior of the other. So in a post-trust society, I look at it as a very regulated society, because that's what you're going to that's but, where you're going to feel safe. So I, I think we all I had a bit of a, a, a hard swallow there, especially riffing off David's rather accurate but dystopian vision of the near future. But isn't control an illusion? Like if on the one hand, the post-trust society has us a, a, a coveting control, wanting control as a surrogate for safety because we don't feel safe. But at what point do we realize that surveillance doesn't work, right? At what point do we realize that control doesn't work and we start either, you know, going back to the original of what Scott and others have said, if we need to rebuild these institutions, we need to rebuild the kind of society that we live in so that trust is something we encourage and safety is something that we can all have. Or do we keep kind of going in these circles of illusions where we keep throwing uh, uh, bad solutions 
at deep problems that just create deeper problems than they were before. Jan, I don't know if you're addressing that directly. Either way, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to because I uh, love that Sharida just introduced regulation into the conversation here. If we just think of uh, the monetary system and the exchange of money, right? We basically trust that that $1 bill in my uh, pocket will be accepted by people and that I get a certain value uh, back in exchange for this. Now, uh, thankfully, right, we've got so much regulation that I can take my wallet and drive across the country and go with my money into, you know, any gas station without even knowing the person. And I don't even have to trust. I know, thanks to regulation, that that person will accept my money. So can regulation be uh, a crutch or, let's say, a steroid for trust? And I mean, it also brings the larger question of what if those regulations are not perceived as legitimate, i.e. Right. what if those regulations are not trusted, right? Well, Do they, you know, certainly here in Canada, cannabis regulations were ignored for decades. So then they had to legalize and now they're sort of being followed, sort of not. And it's a bit of a dance back and forth. Oksana, I, I want to bring you in just because I thought you did something kind of interesting with the phrase trust 2.0, which was sort of shorthand for saying, is there a role for technology? Is there a role for data? And certainly we are seeing all sorts of solutions, all sorts of systems emerge. Uh, you know, when you bring up Black Mirror, I think of kind of reputation systems, right, of scores and people having that as their metrics. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on either the potential or the peril of these sort of trust 2.0 systems. Uh, yeah, well, you basically said everything that I was going to say, but uh, I think I want to build on what uh, Sherida said when she was commenting on Jan's uh, topic of belief. So uh, what she said, yeah, was uh, that you need to believe to trust. And I think that maybe we don't uh, need that if we have data because data will be fine, but then we need to believe in data. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and I like the example from the Black Mirror, yeah, with the scores, because then every person will have like a score. And then it's so easy for me to understand, like if I trust this person because of the score, but in order for this to happen, I need to believe that the score is um, something I can believe in. Uh, it it kind of feels like a, a, a paradox, right? It's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? That they're, and, and maybe that gets to how we're socialized as children, that we inherit some beliefs, we inherit some cognitive biases uh, from our family, from our environment that we grew up in. Jens, please. You're on mute, Jens. You're on mute. Sorry, guys. Um, I thought Sherida's uh, notions were quite interesting, and I really would like to know whether there is some research on this. So, if you say, what happens if we don't trust? So, if we okay, if we don't trust, then we need some more control. What happens if we don't trust the control? So, you can you can uh, build on this game more and more and more. So, is there any research? What will be in the end or is there an end or is a dead end or what happens then is there some sort of scientific work on this Sharida? yeah actually that is an area of a lot of research right now and it's basically what are the consequences so you know research has spent a lot of time looking at the conditions of trust the antecedents of trust you know how people lose trust but they haven't looked at the consequences enough. Mm. And that's a, a major drive of research right now. Okay. Um, but the arguments around whether you have regulation, surveillance, monitoring, etc., cetera, um, the arguments around that area basically are that if you tighten all of this up, then you are not dealing in a situation of trust. You have to be vulnerable to mm -hmm. build trust. You have to be interdependent to build trust. If you remove vulnerability as much as possible, 
you need less trust. Scott. So it's that kind of. Yeah, it's an an interesting perspective, but I'd love I'd love to get your thoughts on whether, you know, when you increase monitoring all those things, a highly regulated world and you take the control out of somebody's hands, you increase vulnerability in a different way. These are unknown vulnerabilities because there's files on you. There's this, there's that, there's stuff that is well beyond your control. And so you, in a sense, you're just shifting the vulnerability off the individual somewhere else, but there's still a significant amount of vulnerability, but there you are separating vulnerability from trust. It no longer becomes a function of trust. And so, you know, the, vulnerability is only if you have agency and control in your life to decide where you allow that vulnerability. Once you lose that, then trust has no association with vulnerability. Like, does, is that correct? Do you think? Is that a, that's, that's the argument. That's, right. that's a, a, it's more of a philosophical argument um, versus a scientific theory. Okay. The scientific theory is being investigated. The, the theory is, if you don't have any vulnerability, if you don't have any interdependence, is if everything is regulated, then trust isn't salient in that and- situation. However, is that a situation where distrust becomes more salient? I right. don't know the answer to that one. But and and what, if you, what if you willingly, but, but like, what if you willingly give yourself over to that regulation? willingly fully buy into the, the the surveillance the entire infrastructure but that's this set up. but this was my point originally right this is the fallacy of the totalitarian state mm-hmm. the idea that it works but it doesn't right like when you actually look especially in contemporary china right these measures don't work they they're 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 a potemkin village they're an illusion right they're a facade to get people to think that the state operates and before i throw to yan you know the parallel of what you and sharita were just discussing is of course the ad agency world where people talk about trust and they talk about the value of the brand and there's zero vulnerability Right. The entire campaign is controlled. The entire process is controlled. There's no spontaneity. And and this is, again, why I would want to ask the question of Edelman or of MRM or of any of these agencies. What is your definition of trust? Because I, I think it's tightly uh, joined to control rather than what we're sort of exploring as these notions of, of vulnerability, of spontaneity, of chance. Right. None of these big brands are ever going to allow for that type of chance. They want prediction. They want control. They want data driven campaigns. So this is where I we start to see some of the contradictions of this subjective nature of trust compared to a, a larger conversation that that tries to compare notes or Jens's uh, a provocation. What about the science? Right. Is there a science behind this that can actually predict what would happen if you did this? And I suspect a lot of, to Sharita's point, a lot of funding is going in to research that type of stuff because of the different uh, uh, political and technological developments we're seeing. Sorry, Jan, please. Yeah, I just want to get back to animals again. You uh, asked earlier, Jesse, uh, hey, you know, what about trust with animals, uh, right? Why do animals even trust us? Right. So Janet was sitting there for the most of the time with, uh, you know, a puppy on her arm. So that is not really uh, normal uh, dog and puppy behavior. But the puppy is very comfortable sitting there because the puppy knows Janet and has experienced that only good comes to the puppy when she's on Janet's Janet's arm. Um, Similarly, you know, uh, one of my deceased cats, when I adopted him, he needed to, you know, get trust first. Then I took him to the dentist. He lost all his teeth, went for two weeks into hiding before the cat trusted me again. So, um, you know, I find videos of people pedalboarding or surfing with a little cat or a little dog at the top of the surfboard really interesting because no cat or no dog would ever do this. But they're happy to because they trust their owner. They know that nothing bad is going to happen to them. And, um, you know, I still believe that there's a strong correlation between behavior predictability and 
trust resulting out of this. My last question, and we probably won't be able to answer this here, is whether trust is still a human need or whether, or whether it's a human want. Do we still need to feel trust or do we want to feel trust? Do I have you know, the wish deep down inside me to say, hey, this Jens guy, I really want to be safe with him and I want to be able to tell my secrets and not be, be betrayed by him. Is that a desire or is it a need? I have no I, idea. I, I think it is a need, quite clearly a need. And Jeanette just threw up her hand, so I'll, I'll throw to you briefly, Jeanette. But I think part of what we're doing here through the Ecopunk Salon is an exercise of trust, right? And I think the more we participate, the more, like to Jens's point, like I trust Jens. I've never met him, right? We've never been in the same physical space. I hope we will. But like when I first started listening to Jens and started hearing his perspective, I was like, yeah, I like this guy. I trust this guy. So I think there is something about these types of human activities that speaks to it being a need um, and, and speaks to why we take time to have these types of events and engage in these types of interactions. Because that need, while also a desire, is something that 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 motivates us as humans. Jeanette. I just a quick note, um, just to come back to something Jan said, and you mentioned earlier, this idea of consistency and predictability, what's really interesting and kind of messed up is that one of the things that animal training has revealed is that while predictable rewards, so positive reinforcement, will produce behaviors, the repetition of the desired behavior, what's even more powerful is intermittent rewards. Right? It's like the gambling thing. So you don't reward every single time they execute the behavior. Once it's established, you reward every third or every fifth. You have to admit, you have to randomize it. And that's much more powerful as a motivator. And I wonder what that says about the role of faith in trust. Oh, I think you, I you also just answered why I'm so addicted to TikTok. Right? Because, you know, every 10th video is so amazing. And then I go through nine terrible ones just to get the adrenaline rush of that 10th. Jens, go ahead. Well, perhaps trust is a, some sort of um, uh, some sort of evolutionary thing. So coming from the last 10 of thousands of years, um, and perhaps someone said, okay, we need something which is risk reducing. So we need, we need a, a concept inside ourselves which leads automatically to less stress, uh, which leads to that I don't need so much time. So and trust is a concept, I believe, so which delivers on these points. So if I don't trust someone, what uh, Sharia said, if I don't trust someone, oh, I have to take time. I have to, I have to dig into the sky uh, or I have to get some more information. I'm stressed, whatever. And, and trust is a concept which reduces all things, all these things, I believe. Well, and, and that, I think, brings us full circle to the notion of the cognitive miser, right? That we look for the path of least resistance. We look for the path of least effort, which conveniently allows me to segue to promo next week's salon.